Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Budgeting. What really might not be as dreadful a word as it seems. Budgeting, what could start off a good process for you and your organization, whatever that organization might be, whether it's your home or your ministry or your business. And certainly there are people out there who could speak better to budgeting than me. I'm also likely close to you just learning this process for myself. And indeed, even in sales and marketing, one of the non-intuitive, the counterintuitive rather things is that you start off with, you know, your, your revenue goal for the year and you sort of work your way backwards. You start off with the, the financial piece, whereas oftentimes creatives like me or even just entrepreneurs in general will want to start off with the content and be sure that that's built out. In all honesty, it would seem that this podcast episode might turn out to be quite short and that would be it. All done. On to the next one. No, the importance of budgeting. Let's go back to this. What does, what does the Lord say about money? Store up your treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Such an interesting concept, where our heart is. We know what we value by our actions. My childhood pastor, who led me to the Lord, who was part of a, a family of people who did, and he and his wife were incredibly loving And I tell people that I often stayed a Christian because of their testimony. When I was six years old, I heard him preach on John 3.16 and wanted to go home and learn more what that meant. And so my dad prayed with me and I accepted Christ. And for me, it brought a lot of joy. I'm normally uh, introverted, you know, not reserved person. I'm definitely a connector, more of an ambivert now from all my training, but at the time, I jumped up and started to dance around. I was very happy that I had a hope for my future and that I knew the Lord and would often walk around the house and go on walks at a young age and pray to God and talk to Him about the tr- day I had or the troubles I had or the bad things quote unquote, that I did <laughs> or the help that I needed. And when I stopped doing that later in life, definitely feel that void, almost as if... I was trying to push through life on my own, and that only really increased the stress and the fear and the worry to the point where I knew that I needed to get back to that simple, more simple place. And interestingly enough, you know, it's not entirely simple to develop a practice of prayer, even though it's something simple. Now, why are we talking about prayer? This is an episode about money, (laughs) or is it? Well, when Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven, that means, that suggests we do heavenly things. We do heavenly behaviors, and one of those is prayer, is it not? Store up your treasures, and it will reveal your heart. The treasures that you cherish will reveal your heart. There was often 
a lot of shenanigans and schemes in the older scriptures and in Jesus' day and now even in our times involving money, the mistakes and the things that people do and the choices that they make that can be seemingly benign from hiding uh, expensive purses under the sink, you know, from their husband, <laughs> which is not me. But it's a story I heard once that I thought was so funny. She didn't want him to know that she had bought all those things. And so she hid him under the kitchen sink. You know, it was something seemingly benign like that to, you know, wanting to spend a lot of money or time or both on a personal hobby when your family wants some balance of that, wants a piece of that pie or wants some time more, more specifically with you. And it could be something even more sinister, such as in Jesus' day when, you know, the widow put in her two mites. It's a, not even a penny. <laughs> Very much all she had to live on. And we might think, well, okay, she's a widow. She doesn't have a lot of money. It seems like a script, right? A familiar story. Yet, it, why is it familiar? And why is it, in other words, normal for us to expect that someone in a life, certain life situation would be poor? And that's a bigger challenge that Jesus addressed when he walked through the temple and overthrew the tables. Now, were these tables with pamphlets or scriptures and scrolls or, you know, helpful items for the people? No, they were money changer temples tables rather in the temple. And he said, you have made my father's house, which is a house of prayer for all nations. You have turned it into a den of robbers. And what's interesting about that, it wasn't just the error of them conducting their business affairs in a sacred place that had a different purpose. It was their error of violating people, of stealing and robbing from them who whose purpose is to be treasured, to be cherished by each other and by God. Another scripture I think of on this conversation about money is when the Bible says how God stores up our tears in a bottle as if it were our inventory of this life. And I find that interesting and compelling and exceedingly compassionate that God would remember all of our tears. In fact, it says in Revelation, when the Lord comes back, he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes, from our cheeks, and he's going to comfort us and speak comfort to us. And those, those tears, we will cry no more. There will be no more fear on my holy mountain, no more, no more ill tidings. I love how Jeremiah and other places put it when God gathers the generations and it says, you know, the barren woman has all these children around her and she says, who bore me these? That now she has a home, she has a family. God sets the lonely in families. You start to notice something important that matters to God as his currency in the scriptures and how he wants us to weigh that in our lives. I used to tease my mom and ask her, Mom, when you were younger, did you do such and such in the olden days? <laughs> Sometimes when I think of, instead of calling it the Old Testament, I want to say the olden days, because really that is uh, the almost you know modern Christian way of putting 
a whole chunk of scriptures in the Jewish Bible they call the Tanakh. And if I am incorrect, you can correct me in the comments. But in other words, the scriptures pre-Jesus that prophesied about him and that showed the history of the people of God and from creation and on. You might not have considered this before, and this was a new thought to me recently in Genesis when God first created the heavens and the earth, and he does so in such poetic glory. And what I love about that is it starts out with God in relation to himself, that the spirit is roaming above the waters, the void and the deep, you know, that the Lord himself was there with himself, and he's a creative God. He wanted to create, and he creates this beautiful world. He creates a habitat first. He does a slow way. I don't know if there are any other creatives or business folks out there who might want to just go to the project fast. I know one of the American way is <laughs> joked about to, you know, do the the big thing now and sort of pay for the mistakes later or ask questions later. Um, but he, God was patient. He set up the whole habitat a certain way that he knew would be beautiful and satisfy our basic needs and also a place where he just wanted to walk with us. There is this almost unspoken companionship that he desired. And so he creates man from the breath of his mouth and the the dust of the earth. He creates a woman from his breath in the rib from Adam as a suitable helper. And so what I read in that is not only the typical roles that we might prescribe to a family structure, but more along the principle, and this is what I advocate in my teachings and the books, and I use the word nuance, but it's based on a biblical interpretation approach where when you go into scripture, you're looking for the principle before you transfer the knowledge as to something to imply, apply. Before you go straight to the imperative and the big action, you want to understand it first. So the principle in this case would be not the details of the roles, for example, in a family structure, and people and we could still get to that later, and I do in earlier episodes, but it is actually the principle of companionship, of connectiveness, that we are connected to one another and to this world that God has made, which connects us also to himself with the breath in us. And this breath is something that Jesus implies and refers to when he gives the parable of the poor rich man, <laughs> the man who amasses enormous amounts of wealth and just wants more, more, more. And then he's satisfied and says, I have enough to be basically confident and live my life out all my days. And God says, you fool, tonight, this very night, your soul will be required of you. His soul, the breath of God, the more precious treasure would be taken. And that is tragic. And you also hear in the book of James, when he talks about the rich folks then in those days, and this also is not a sermon about rich or poor, or who's right or who's wrong. There's no blame or shame in this, but he did speak to a reality of what was happening in the church that people were showing favoritism to those with 
Well, they were giving them the better seat and the poorer folks were being shoved in the back and ignored, which is not unlike how we treat some people sometimes in our congregations or in our world today. So Jesus um, speaks to this in his parable of the poor rich man. And James sort of almost finishes the parable in a way by talking about this norm where the rich folks of that day were taking people off to court and they were denying people, denying laborers of their wages, which is not unlike practices that we hear of and many go through, even here in the United States, where they're paid a lower wage, whereas those who gain wealth from their laborers have enormously high margins, <laughs> like very much high profit, and so much so they're billionaires. And so you have this widening gap of disparity. And James, in the book of James, is decrying that. He's decrying the favoritism, and he's decrying the, the judgment against the poor, and he is decrying almost the injustice which Jesus was overturning in the temple. He wants us to have, again, this house of prayer, the spiritual belonging. These the currencies of our day with the Lord. And that's what he wants us to invest in. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below. And inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.